And we're live. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars Podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate and Thomas, the Paranoid American. What the fuck is up? <laughs> we have Steve. Steve, I was actually going to ask you before we started recording exactly how to say your last name, and then I forgot to ask. Steve Porkinoin? Poikinen. 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 There, there's, yeah, 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 yeah. Is poi like the Hawaiian fish dish? Co like yeah. David Allen and Nin like the fishnet wearing nineties, <laughs> you know, industrial band. Like Co like David Steve, Allen. Steve, you have a really interesting last name. Actually, like me, most people don't know how to pronounce my last name or where it's from. Do you know where Poikinen is from? Yeah, it's Finnish. Awesome. Okay, I like yeah. that. That's cool, man. Uh, we it's, were a, just it's rare. It's rare in Finland, and there's less than seventy of us in the United States. Yeah, man. Uh, my last name is Chavoya, and uh, it's pretty rare. Um, there's some in California, like all over Lompoc. That's where the majority of my family lives. And there's like a scattering handful of Mexico, uh, but yeah, there's not many of us. Um, we were just talking. Well, actually, okay. Steve, why don't you tell our audience, this is the first time you've been on the show, tell everybody the best places to find you and where to find your show. Absolutely. Uh, the first and best place to go would be amwakeupshow.com. And then uh, that'll get you links to everything else. We stream live uh, right now during the summer because hanging out with my kids and uh, would like to actually hang out with my kids Monday through Thursday. Uh, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific uh, on Rockfin and Rumble. And then afterwards, uh, it's getting uploaded everywhere. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Slow News Day is my other show that I do on Sundays. That's also uh, on Rockfin. And then I have a, a show that I've been doing with uh, my friend Sugar, my old neighbor Teal, uh, called Blunt Force Wisdom, where we check out from everything else that we normally talk about, and we just get like high as a Christmas moon and shoot the shit. I love it, man. Yeah, my yeah. kind of show. <laughs> so you're actually uh, you're in the forest in Northern California. That's originally where I'm from as well, uh, Humboldt County, actually. So a little bit more north and a little bit more on the coast, but. Before I did, uh, <clears throat> I was in Vegas for 15 months prior to being here. And before that, I lived in Humboldt. I lived, this is a true story. You can check with Ben Balderson because it was his property. Uh, on Murder Mountain, it, it, just outside of Garberville, uh, yep. right before you get to Alder Point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth, man. I love it's that gorgeous. area. I won't ever go back there, <laughs> maybe to visit, but I don't want to live there anymore. Yeah, California and me are done. I mean, I live in Oregon now. It's not much better, like politically and things like that, but it, it's a little bit better. I'm on For some. Now. I'm on some reclaimed Jefferson shit. That's yeah. that's what I'm on. I'm on like we're, let's let's take it back. If everybody's gonna take something back, let's let's reclaim Jefferson. Let's drop it down to about where I am. Maybe Petaluma. 
And fuck it, we'll take Marin too. It could be nice if we got rid of all the shit libs. It could be. It could be. It's gorgeous. Uh, and, and yeah, we'll make a push for it. And where I mean, does people Murder don't know Mountain that come about from? California, it actually has like the most like not that any of us are fucking Republicans, but they have one of the biggest I think Republican community or whatever in the United States is in California. But it's just also because they're so populous, they're you know there's too many fucking Democrats that destroy that place. Um, but the majority of California, just like Oregon, uh, the, the rest of Oregon, they call us Oregonians. Like I moved out to rural Oregon. I'm, I moved outside of the city of Portland and, uh, yeah, dude, all my neighbors are polite. All my neighbors which, are well-armed. Which and, direction? Uh, I'm Northwest. Okay. I'm in Columbia okay. County. All right. Okay. I was the opposite when I lived there. I was, uh, I worked in Sandy. I lived in Welch's up Mount hood, that kind of area, like right on the 26. Uh, but yeah. And to answer, uh, Thomas's question, uh, it's murder mountain because in the eighties, there were some serial killers that hit out there hmm. and that's how it, it got the name. And then when Netflix decided that they were going to do the series and like blow up the spot a little bit, they, they picked up on the local folklore about that the old story and that's when they sensationalized it for the oh so there's a netflix show now called murder mountain too it came out in like 2019 or something Mm, like okay and it's interesting too though because like i mean i'm sure you know this too like the fucking like mexican mafia and different like cartels and different things started moving up there and it is a fucking murder mountain if you go into the wrong property there's people protecting crops with uh I knew a guy that had actual landmines around his property and things like that. Oh, and he dude. had his like six year old son walking around with a fucking shotgun, you know, and they would just like patrol the, the property. They were ready to kill anybody that came on the property. Like there it, it is. It's murder mountain. You go, you the, can't go just for a random hike, you know? <laughs> no, no. And there's, I mean, dude, you know this, but there's spots on the one Oh one where if you pull over, like you're going to go hike or even like you're going to go take a leak. If you're there for more than five minutes, you start hearing. And then all of a sudden people in full tack gear jump off of ATVs telling you that you need to leave. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's interesting stuff, dude. Like, it seems like it's quiet. It seems like it's nice, but there's an underbelly, man. Like, yeah, for sure. I kind (laughs) of like that, to be honest, man. You know what? It was cooler 30 years ago when the cops were crooked and the cartels weren't there and the East Coast Mafia wasn't sending a bunch of shitbirds in. It it was like, I don't know. There was at least a a little bit more overall peace at that point. One thing that I noticed that changed a lot of stuff, dude, is when when they did a direct flight from Los Angeles to like Arcata airport, there hadn't been one of those. And so like, if you were from Southern California, you had to drive there. I mean, they call it the Emerald curtain, right? Like there was an actual like thing that was kind of keeping people out. We were pretty like remote. You had, it was a fucking drive all the way up to one one It was going to, it was going to take you a while to get there. And then they started introducing those direct flights, dude. Then you started seeing like real thugs, real <clears throat> fucking gangsters walking around and it changed shit because like, dude, if we had a dispute, we'd fight. We weren't going to shoot each other. You know, no, it, you it, had to really fuck up change. to get shot. I mean, you had to really fuck up to get yeah, shot. Yeah, I mean, you could get killed, but yeah. it wasn't, 
it wasn't going to be like that unless you said like you like if you fucking rob somebody or something if you like yeah, try to but, rob somebody's crop or something then you're fair game but but yeah no it it did it got out of hand full wreck made it go even crazier uh yeah are you familiar with uh like arcada are you familiar oh, with yeah. arcada Dude, yeah, yeah. I, like I used the- to live in McKinley, like way back in the day before I I lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains for almost 20 years. Before that, I lived in McKinleyville. I know um, McKinleyville, yeah. And then my my brother lived in Oakland from like uh 91 to about 97. And I yeah. started coming around in like 92. Well, are you are you familiar with the plaza like downtown? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. So, like as a kid, as a teenager, that's where we go. Like, if I couldn't find anybody to sell me pot, I could at least find the hippies on the plaza, and I could I could get some fucking weed, right? And so it used to be a chill as fuck. Everybody there was just like peace, love, a bunch of fucking hippies and college kids. Everybody just smoking dope and just having a good time. You know, right. run around the corner to like Arcata Pizza and Deli, get a slice of pizza. Like the place is chill. I love that area. Um, and then right before I left, which was about 10, 12 years ago, that was right around the time when they were introducing those direct flights from L.A. Like I noticed like the atmosphere was changing. Everything was like more serious. And I was like trying to buy like, you know, like some weed from some of the hippies and stuff. And uh, then I see these like big old black dudes like thug ass dudes like coming up because like I was hanging out with the hippies. Like I was hanging, they were kind of hobos slash hippies. It was like a mix, you know, like, and I, I would <laughs> hang out with them. So I was like hanging out with them and these guys started like shaking them down. And I, and one of the dudes, I was like, what the fuck was that about? Cause like this, this dude was like, took all the money out of his pocket. He was like, like basically these guys own the plaza now. And these guys like, uh, we have to sell weed for these guys. And they fucking take all, they take the majority of the money. They take their cut. They started like running it like it was a fucking drug hustle. And I, dude, it was sad. I was like, holy shit, this place has changed. Because it used to be just every hobo for themselves. Like, just like, you know what I mean? Everyone was chills, sell a pipe. They had like, their glass that they blew, that they blown. And like, everyone was just like chill. And it, yeah, dude, it, that whole area has changed so much. It's kind of, I like, I like those homeless, uh, drug dealers before they got all commercial yeah dude you know i mean they corporatized it the gangsters came there and corporatized it well and exploded uh the heroin trade exploded all the fentanyl shit uh the cartels brought in that blue meth or whatever the fuck they got them you know like yeah the, the that that whole area was already like pretty economically depressed outside of the cannabis industry logging was about you know dead there's a little bit of random state park tourism or whatever and and that's about it cdf crabbing salmon maybe guys, but that was maybe yeah. but there hasn't been a good salmon run really since like 2006 2007 yeah. it's been a minute since there was a real good you know so i mean uh, and so when it became, you know, first of all, when it went full wreck, it sucked because all of the small and medium guys got squeezed out all. It was either huge cartel, huge, different mafia or hedge fund, venture capital. Philip Morris has grows up there in uh, Pajaro County. Watsonville, where all of the agriculture, you know, is, or a ton of it, 
is Driscoll Farms and Dole have fucking satellite fucking companies. Driscoll Farms? Driscoll Farms. Oh, I had a friend that applied for a job out there, and they, the only reason that they wouldn't take him is because when he was 16, he had gotten arrested. And they were like, nope, sorry, need a cleaner record than that, buddy. Like That's it's- fucking wild, man. Yeah, I haven't been there since the whole wreck thing happened. Like, I can tell you as like a young man, it was always an available, it was always an option. Like, and it was, it was kind of fucking cool that like, let's say you weren't that fucking bright and you weren't going to, you weren't going to fucking do the whole academic thing. There was the option that, you know, you could go and fucking be a grower. And I knew so many young dudes that were just like, that was their ambition. Their dad had done it. His dad had done it. Generations of pot growers. And guess what? You could make a pretty fucking good living every like three months or so. You were fucking going to make 30, 40,000, 50,000 bucks. And it was like feast and famine because you also had to put in all that money to get the grow back. And but like these yep. dudes would be in their big giants, like sicked out, like souped up trucks with like, you know, their tires as tall as me. And like, yeah, and it, it was kind of a it was kind of a cool like you we grew up looking up to these guys and started working for these guys like trimming and stuff like that. And like it was it was, it was an interesting thing. Also, they were stealing all our girls. Like when I remember when I was in <laughs> high school, like like there'd be like some cute freshman girls. I was like a freshman and I'd be like, I want to go ask that girl out. And then she gets, uh, you know, it's lunchtime and some like 35 year old dude in his giant truck is there to pick her up. I'm like, yep. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy. Yep. But that was like, yep. that's no, what that was. That was dude. Truth. That was my high school experience too. Like every, <laughs> everyone was taken by like 20 and 30 year olds. <laughs> yeah. They they'd show up in their big giant trucks, like bumping E40 and fucking, and Andre Nicotina, and they'd be picking up their high school girlfriend. And that's funny. Uh, it's a different up, world. I grew too, up though. in I grew up in the Midwest, uh, and it was half jacked up trucks and half like low riders. Fucking just, I just slammed. This is the era ground effects, bro. I'm fucking oh cruising. We were just talking about this uh, on OBDM last night but I mean, we had a fucking shopping center bro and like everybody brought their car out there and just drove around the parking lot in a mile and a half an hour for six hours until somebody got in a fight or the cop showed up or somebody you know somebody about to get shot you know and then you had to leave the good old days what the hell dude <laughs> i'll take that over the metaverse though i will yeah, man, I I have so many just crazy wild memories of uh, like I remember that I got introduced to this dude, and he was like, even if I remembered his name, I wouldn't say his name because I'm pretty sure he could have me killed. Oh man, am I back yet? You are. <laughs> You're back. Yeah, no, you fine. Sometimes, uh, I swear to God, I just bought the best internet money can buy, and it's acting glitchy again. Yeah, that's how Thomas that keep the show rolling until my internet comes back. <laughs> you seem fine, dude. You uh, like you cut out for just like a split second, but you seem good right now. Yeah. Well, I, I will. I will take over a okay, little cool. bit though, because because before we started recording, we were getting into Bohemian Grove a little bit, and uh, yeah, there we mentioned go. That 
that you're fairly close to it and then you we were talking about the the brothels and the prostitutes and i just wanted to mention i actually have some notes i I read all the books that i've ever been able to find on bohemian grove and this one is called notes from the bohemian grove by someone domhoff i can't remember his first name but but this note that i took was really interesting and i haven't heard of any of these cities and i might have even like incorrectly transcribed them but maybe you've heard of these local ones so it says that since bohemian grove women are forbidden to enter there's only one thing for the bohemian grove attendees to do if they want female companionship and they call it jumping the river and it's not because they literally jump into a river but it's because there's this river that separates bohemian grove from these two towns one town is called monorail is that correct monterio monterio okay that's that's probably i like that's the town that's the town where the grove is is actually like located located so so that has so um monterio has a population of about a thousand it's a very small town on a good day on a good day and the other town is called guerneville am i pronouncing that one right guerneville guerneville and Guerneville also has a similar population of around a thousand or so. Although Guerneville's population has exploded recently because the gays took over. Well, and this book was written in the seventies, so that was the, what the population the was there. Well, so so this is the thing though is that is that from Monterio, I guess, is where they would get the female prostitutes from the brothels, and then from. Uh, the other town was where the male prostitutes would come from. So in order for the Bohemian Groves to have their fun, that's what they do. They was jump the river. And it just depends on what city they're jumping to. And that really just means that they're traveling over to the brothels, having a good time, and then hopping back over to Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, okay. So uh, Guerneville is the next town east from where the grove is i'm the next town west and then there's like a town that doesn't even have a stop sign and then you're basically at the coast uh there's a a town ironically called jenner that's like right at the the end of the (laughs) 116 there that's right on the right on the ocean lots of car accidents there i hear Right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Terrible drivers in general. <laughs> Terrible. So, Great Thomas, I mean, do they even have to, if if males are allowed to be there, do they have to jump the river if they wanted a, a tasty male treat, or would they just ship them? Well, I mean, or... you're you're talking most, when we're talking Bohemian Grove, it's invite only, lots of elderly, lots of, you know, maybe not the best of shape. So I'd assume that... they want blowjobs, I mean... Yeah, but but I feel like they would want them from like the the nice spunky young guys from you know across the river. So that's that's the whole reason for jumping the river is you want a professional to do that job, you know. Yeah, but you. Yeah, I but think to, the old guy can he jump see, the river? He has to have them brought over to him, right? Right, he would man. have to order in. Yeah, there, yeah. there's instance there's stories of them basically shipping like the entire brothel over to bohemian grove there was one guy it was like his 70th birthday and they just decided we're gonna hire every prostitute in the brothel as a present for this guy's birthday you know what's wild dude i I think about these stories that go untold 
right? Like how, like the stories from those brothels, like the things that they saw, the things that they had to do. You know, I, I think about this, like in Florida, I think it's uh, when the Republican Party, they do their big uh, like shindig where they do like the Republican whatever, where they Chicago. all get together. I, I saw like a little mini documentary about it where there's all these gay strip clubs and they have to get ready because <laughs> they're like when the Republican Party comes into town, they're like, we got to be ready. We got to have all the grease. We got to be like ready to like. Like we gotta have our butt plugs and dildos ready because like they go hard. <laughs> these Republican like politicians go hard. Stuck stuck up on all the sex toys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're nuts. They're ask any town anybody in any town that's ever hosted a GOP national convention during an election year. They're they're it's it's like the freaking Super Bowl in terms of the amount of like horrors that they have to run through there. It, it's it's wild. I'm going to get the opportunity the end of the summer to interview uh, a dude. And I don't know if he's going to want to come on camera or not. I'm going to try and like push it, maybe do it audio only. Uh, But interview a dude that works with my kid who has to leave the restaurant. My kid works at has to close on Mondays now because this dude's gone at the Bohemian Grove for the rest of the summer. Cook it. So So he he works there as one of the the workers then. So yeah, he's he's going. He's leaving the, his current gig, going to the Grove to cook for the summer, which I, I think means that, man. I've I was a chef for sixteen years, um, and I worked at some pretty exclusive private clubs, and I I saw some pretty interesting things and uh, from local uh, Eureka politicians and different things like that. Uh, stories we could talk when the when the camera's not rolling. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. That, Dude, that's a cool interview lined up. Yeah, excited to hear that one. Stoked. Did the the con <laughs> dude all of the the inner dynamics of Bohemian Grove are really fascinating to me. Like a lot of people hear Bohemian Grove and they just figure, oh, it's just where a bunch of rich, powerful people go and they're like among peers. But it's that couldn't be further from the truth because even once you enter Bohemian Grove, there's hundreds of different camps. And some of the camps are so exclusive that even though you're a Bohemian Grove member, you're not allowed anywhere near like this area. I think one of them is called Camp Mandalay. It's one of the most exclusive camps within Bohemian Grove. And it's so exclusive to the point where they have like like a security service that hangs around. If you just walk too close to their camp, they'll kind of muscle you out of there. Like, what the hell are you doing around here? And people like look down on other camps because they're not as... Um, you know, like as high. And there was even this unwritten rule that happened in Bohemian Grove. This also kind of happened at like Jekyll Island, but you're supposed to be modest, right? You're not supposed to have anything expensive. It's supposed to be like an outdoor cabin uh, sort of environment. But then different camps within Bohemian Grove, they'd go out and bring in like a $12,000 mahogany dining table and put that into their little camp room and then some guys would start like adding a second floor so then it became this game of like how much can i stay within regulation but also just show complete opulence and like it's just it's like those are the games they play with each other can totally confirm this uh my like i said my my chick stepdad when he was alive for a couple of decades was a carpenter there and built decks and shit like that she was telling me that he built steve miller's deck there and it's in the shape of uh i think it's a fender guitar 
something <laughs> like but like it's in the shape of a, a strat or something like that but that's the deck and so he got away with having the custom deck because you could according to regulations have a deck that was you know relative these dimensions off your and cabin. it becomes a game right now it's like oh well if he's got this custom fender deck well i'm gonna do this other opulent thing and as long as i fit within these rules and i, I it feels like that's just what rich people do to have fun with each other is like i'll have a piece <laughs> of teak carved into a bentley and turned exactly, into a hot tub. exactly you've got it exactly <laughs> make it so yeah I don't know why I turned them into Patrick Stewart at the end there. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm a tricky. I appreciated it. Another interesting part of Bohemian Grove, if you look into the history, is that originally it was started by artists and musicians or performers that were working class. You know what I mean? And what they did is that they got so sick of always having to work on corporate projects for all these big companies and big businessmen. They were like, screw it. You know, we're going to go out into the woods, into this, you know, Bohemian Grove area and just like work on the art we want to work on and work on plays and just like create music, just like the ultimate hippie festival. Right. It was like for us, by us in terms of the creative crowd. But then they start running out of money. They don't have the money to keep throwing these parties. So then they'd be like, hey, JP Morgan or whoever, you know, fill in rich guy. We want you to come and sponsor this year's Spring Jinx. And if you sponsor it, then we'll like let you come and hang out with us and see how fun it is. And that happens often enough that all the rich guys are like, wow, this is actually pretty fun. Let me invite my other rich friend and he'll give you even more money. And then at a certain point, the scale tipped where it was no longer a Bohemian Grove for all the artists and like the, the actual bohemians and now it was just the rich people and then the rich people start hiring the original bohemians to come in and perform for them so it's just it's this wild inversion of like a thing that these people wanted to just be free and be able to just be creative on their own terms and they couldn't even hold on to that without the rich people coming back in and buying it from them and then like essentially turning them in to workers I just I find it's like such a poetic explanation of the origin and how it still lives on today. Thomas, when do you think that uh, like the cremation of like care isn't that what it's called the uh, yeah. that ritual? When do you think that was introduced? Do you think that was an original thing with the artists, or do you think that was when the money came in? Uh, when do you I don't think know, it man. Started getting a cult and. Do and honestly, that that was my number one question. If if you know anyone that actually has access to Bohemian Grove, the thing I want to know the most was that what is there any rumors that that really was a human sacrifice at any point, or has it always been an effigy and done for like symbolic purposes? Because that feels like an important question to know. If it even if just for one year it was a real person, I want to know that right well i i will i will see what i can do i've only been here for like a month and a half um and and i'm i'm just really starting to get you know my bearings a little bit um however i i'm already a member of a california historical society so i'm trying to see if there's like a specific chapter of that group in Sonoma County. If there is, I'm going to run straight to their historian and be like, hi, new best friend. I have questions. 
we just got to hope they're honest or that they have the actual answers. Yeah, uh, I, I have a decent bullshit detector. You know, know how to ask a follow-up. <laughs> It'll be fun regardless. You know that. Yeah, I mean, any answer they don't answer can also be a – that's also an answer, you know? <laughs> So Any I'm, question I'm, they don't answer. I'm curious, do you guys think that they're doing legitimate black magic there and like invoking spirits and doing I mean you know, it, supernatural it, it stuff? It depends on the day you ask me. Well, what else, what <laughs> yes. about today? How's yes. today looking? Yes, I do. So I they're, sincerely they're actually think... invoking like some sort of energy or entities and doing like a supernatural ritual. Whether they believe it or not, yes, I actually do. I, I do actually think that these folks, I've heard enough stories about like whether you believe in God or the devil, whether you believe in Satan or not, they do. Like, they, whether you think their religion is bullshit, whatever this dark religion happens to be, this like black Satur Saturnian cult that they happen to be part of, uh, they believe it. And I think that they, uh, and Obviously, it's working, dude. They they have some significant power, and they've they've managed to uh, really control the hell out of the regular population. I, I think that this is like some sort of cult, and I think that they are doing rituals. Um, does it actually do something? I don't know. Um, well, to me, it's the same exact thing as Burning Man. I mean, Burning Man, they burn this yeah. big effigy once a year to release but, dude, the care I'm, I'm the kind of weirdo that thinks that like the super bowl is a giant ritual i think that like <laughs> all of these things out in the i think the voting is a ritual yeah absolutely dude absolutely yes but yeah, yeah i i yes. concur i think that with... all of these things are like out in the open I, I concur that it doesn't Sorry, matter see, what I my, my camera is getting say, or my it, it doesn't matter what I believe, it matters what they believe. And if they believe sincerely that they can gain power, influence, resources, fill in the blank by going through these steps, doing you know, whatever it is that that they think is going to allow them to gain that influence or power, then I believe that they're going to do it now, wh whether a mock sacrifice or, you know, the burning of an effigy in front of a giant owl statue is, is how you do it. Or if it's keto, it's probably keto. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, or maybe you have to go witter shins around the particular set of bones or I don't fight, but it, I do know that people genuinely believe that focused energy, uh, directed at a specific goal, it has some rate of success. Uh, and so that's what the core of that is to me. Now, who's in on it and who believes it and who thinks they're doing it just so that they can get into the good country club? I I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. I've had some interesting conversations with previous guests who can, you know, they can be out there sometimes. And this this conversation that I had, they were talking about like divine masculine and divine feminine cults. And they were talking about Bohemian Grove being a like a divine masculine cult i believe eh, one or the other but like this whole concept too of like b 
being with a woman is is like disgusting to them. Like it is the divine masculine. It is a ritual to have gay sex. It is like an actual sex, like sex rituals. Like, I mean, kind of, you know what Aleister Crowley was up to. Um, and that there is something like that going on at the Bohemian Grove and um, their whole, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it is fucking fascinating. I don't know what's going on there. It's just boys being boys. Come that, on. You know, like uh, that, like George W. Bush had there. Um, he probably, you know, has, <laughs> I have no idea, man, but it, it's fascinating. Just some fellows out for a hearty romp in the woods. <laughs> it's good, clean fun the way God intended. Thomas, that's what you guys do, right? When you guys get alone in your in your robes and uh, we just do the goats and the paddling. It doesn't get too crazy. It's a small room, so we, there's not a lot of room to move around and do it. Yeah, we we have a coffin, but we just spin it around so that the new guy pukes in it, and we make the next guy get in it, <laughs> like a gravitron. Yeah, basically, yeah. The, the the skull and bones version is you got to jerk off while you're spinning right, around it. Right, 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 yeah. right. No, the clamper <laughs> version is much more drunk and way less gay. And there there was also uh, an off. Uh, I'm not gonna say an offshoot, but like a rival group uh, against the Bohemian Grove, and I think it was called the Rancheros. I'm, I think I got that right. And it was when Walt Disney was apparently maybe being um, like courted to become part of the Bohemian Grove, but I guess it didn't like, he didn't appreciate that they weren't really camping and doing like Boy Scouty outdoorsy stuff. It, you know, like, oh, you guys are just like fondling each other in the woods. That's not what I wanted to get into. So Walt Disney either helps join or helps start or joins this Rancheros, which is like, a western we're gonna pretend like we're cowboys version of bohemian grove which i always thought was fascinating i've heard some wild stories about some of those like really fancy elite dude ranches uh because you know i i'm a chef i was a chef for years and uh my buddies have like worked uh the circuit and like if you go to like certain places in wyoming there's very exclusive ranches like wyoming montana and idaho areas that uh there's some weird stuff going on at some of those like very elite pay, pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to be part of this little dude ranch where you get to dress up and pretend to be a cowboy. And, you know, maybe there's a little like a, a wish I could quit you kind of things going on there. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I hadn't heard of the Rancheros, Thomas. Well, th there's another one, uh, the Wall Street Secret Society. I think I'm probably get this wrong. Kappa Beta Phi or Ka it's Kappa Beta something or other. And part of their initiation ritual is that they all dress up in full gowns with like makeup, lipstick, eyeshadow, everything. And this is the most exclusive secret society of Wall Street. And it's just one of the things. And I wonder what it is with these like ultra rich all male clubs that somehow are always like, you know, we should all just like dress up and act like women and kiss each other tonight. I, I like, <laughs> where does it come from, man? Is it like part of like a, an old handbook that once you have a certain amount of affluence, you all just start kind of kissing each other? I think it's a, a power thing or something like that. I, I really do. Like, I think that's where most of that all sort of has its root in it is like a dominance thing. 
I see, and like a power so move. That's like why if you want to join my club, wear a dress, bitch. Yeah, you have to go through the humiliation ritual. Yeah. You have to There's at so least much of those... that like buck breaking that like happens and things like that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely <clears throat> onto something. Like someone was I, I just listened to an episode, I think it was Joel Thomas, uh Kill the Mockingbirds. They were talking about I think the episode was called P Diddler. It was about P Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, dude. But about how he's like a gatekeeper in the rap community. And if mm-hmm. you want to make it in the rap community, like how like he had Usher come and like stay with him when Usher was like 10 years old and stuff like that. Usher went and lived with with uh, with P. Diddy and he had to do whatever he had to do. And like it and like in this interview, they asked him, like, hey, if your son wanted to go and live with P. Diddy to make it in the rap community, would you let him do it? He's like, fuck no. You know, <laughs> and he doesn't like come out and say like, hey, P. P. Diddy and me were having sex. But like there are these like he these weird little things that he says that kind of like lets it out where he's like, yeah, me and me and Diddy were like laying in bed and we started wrestling. And and then like people are like, wait, what? <laughs> what were you guys doing? Like, yeah, we just woke up and, and then we started wrestling in the morning. We we're like, why were you guys in the, in the same bed? And like, it's just, it's weird stuff, dude. Yeah, I think that there is some weird, uh, like, um, again, like the buck breaking, there's this like, uh, um, there's this, um, it is, it's a power trip. And it's making it's a humiliation ritual, and it it's uh, yeah, it's some sick shit, dude. It's some sick shit. It really is, and, and with hip hop, like it's not just Diddy and Bad Boy. It's uh, Zulu Nation, from what I understand, Africa Bombada. They were turning out kids for thirty years, forty years before anybody even like really. <clears throat> stepped up to say anything about it i never heard that before so the soul sonic force was another sort of underground <laughs> man i want to hear that bro <laughs> i know like, dude it I sucks dude it's rough because... was like the og yeah and it then you have to be like okay well what about krs what about you know uh freaking uh, if not all of tribe at least five because it's on the record you know where that's where he says he comes wow, from dude i just nation. i just googled that uh African yeah Baba bro and zulu nation wow bro, dude it's not great it's not great yeah, there's articles on Rolling Stone, Daily Beast, the Hip Hop, wow, Vice. Oh, you just rock, you just yeah. rocked my world, yeah. bro. I'll never be able to hear white <laughs> lines the same again, man. It's hectic, man. It's hectic. It, yeah, because I really, dude, the it's fucking it's 76, you know? That's all of hip hop. <laughs> it's fucking Damn, it's basically man. all of it, you know? So I did shit. <clears throat> yeah, the 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 implications of that really suck. <clears throat> Damn, dude, I mean, they were called does. the the crate boys, who were the ones that helped them carry the records around between DJ sets. Damn, dude, <laughs> which I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, dude. All these like crazy terrible things that are happening to us right now it's all just it's all just a repeat of history it's pretty fucking dark and fucked up dude it's wild it is and and 
what we have the the only thing that's really different right now is that the tech that has made it easier for these people to transnationally exploit just the average everyday people has also made their exploits more known and more available to the average everyday person so we're at sort of a the i don't know kind of a dangerous confluence uh, and that's why we're seeing the giant push for all the censorship that's why there's all of this you know fragmentation within every community and school of thought and learning and discussion all of that stuff um and even then dude with all of that like i you know i feel better about the the shape of things now than i did 10 years ago in terms of where people are at in terms of our ability to you know network find solutions together and then roll them out i agree dude honestly like to me people get so freaked out about like what's happening in in you know day in and day out and um and it's true. Like the world is pretty goddamn disgusting, but I don't know if it's actually any more disgusting than it ever has been. I just think that we know about it more. And I think that there's always a balance. Like, you know, I sound like a dork talking about like star Wars or something, but like when you're talking about like the, the Jedi and the Sith, like I think that there is a balance. And I think as like the world does get a little bit more gross, there's like all these like, you know, the actual these these groomers and these people that have been molesting kids and stuff, they're just they're just taking the mask off. Like, I think these people have been doing this forever. Right. Um, but people are also awakening to this. And I, I do think that people are like, I think it's silly, the whole like uh, they put the training on the can, the whole Budweiser thing. And, you know, and like people not wanting to drink Budweiser anymore. I mean, good. You should have been drinking that GMO piss water to begin with. But like now you're on board. OK, <laughs> good. You know, <laughs> but well, I, I've brought um, Ganymede up before too, right? The the um, marketing campaign from Budweiser in the late 1800s, which featured Ganymede, who was a young prepubescent boy that Zeus basically steals and rapes as an eagle, and that Anheuser Busch eagle looks identical to Zeus kidnapping Ganymede. So this idea of um, Budweiser marketing towards this kind of community is not new. I mean, it's literally more than a century old. That's so funny. That's so funny. Bud Light came out with a 4th of July post that said uh, something to the effect of like, there's nothing like a makeshift mister. And it was somebody cracking a can of beer into a fan and it blowing back at him. But I just, I'm like, really, dude, you guys just fired your last makeshift mister, and you're going to go right to this. That's, yeah, you didn't learn I mean, anything. Once you realize, see, I, I, like you said, how you are like, uh, you're more positive about these things than ever. Like, I think that it's a good thing that people know what BlackRock is. I think it's a good thing that there's a spotlight on things like this. I think there's it's a good thing that there's a spotlight on the World Economic Forum. People are actually looking into things like this. Um, like, because I think about, like, how a company like Budweiser, they've lost, dude, the number was fucking crazy. Like, like 30 plus billion dollars worth of their market share and then you see them double down where they just like they just promoted another like big trans event in toronto they don't give a shit like they do kind of want your money but like 
they're going to make up for it with like uh, with their ESG score. When you realize that they don't actually, these corporations don't actually need you. They don't even need your your money anymore. These big giant transnational companies, they don't they don't care about your business. We can boycott them all we want. They're still going to be successful. They're well, still going to make. They're still going to be powerful. They're still going to own almost every other beer company in the world. Like ABV is the biggest fucking conglomerate, like beer conglomerate in the planet. Like we're just like, like pissing on a we're pissing on a bonfire. This could have just been a marketing push to elevate the rest of their brands <laughs> that they right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, let's it's go ahead and make Modelo America's beer because <laughs> it's also owned by ABV and Embev. Just like Bud Light is, the the, and the conservatives know. are like, "This is a win. We did it, guys!" <laughs> and they're like, "Modelo's the number one now." You're like, yeah, okay, like you said, they're owned by yeah. And all of these companies, like whether ABV owns them or not, like BlackRock, I'm pretty sure probably I'm staking them too. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how much yep. you guys missed or didn't. Yeah, my internet just. Yeah, no, we did caught <laughs> caught that, and, and I mean, if it's not if it's not BlackRock, it's Vanguard. If it's not Vanguard, it's Berkshire Hathaway. If it's not Berkshire Hathaway. It's Dude, the and then Vanguard and BlackRock they own like stakes in each other as well. It's the same. They they're playing the Coke and Pepsi game too. It's just like yep. it's these elites that like <clears throat> they all touch butts and they're all playing with each other behind the scenes. <laughs> the like, most of the money most of the money never back. leaves a room. You know what I mean? Like the money itself it just uh, sometimes people come in with a wheelbarrow and they dump more money on the pile and sometimes somebody in a suit walks in and they put some in their pockets, but for the most part it's just you know more gets th- wheelbarrow dumped onto the stack and it stays in the room it does this on an international level we're watching it happen in freaking ukraine like every day we're like, oh we just found six billion dollars sure six billion dollars yeah who's just lying around accounting error we rolled the dice we picked up the the freaking federal chance card when it said there's a bank error in your favor, go ahead and send the midget cokehead six billion dollars. <laughs> and then that, I mean, I question the whole validity with a lot of the Project Veritas stuff, and I, I guess it's not Project Veritas anymore. Uh, what is it now? It's uh, like oh, wow. it's OMG Media. OMG, yeah, OMG. Uh, but I mean, it, it's an interesting thing. But like that, where they caught the BlackRock exec talking about how good war is for. You know, and we we know that, but it's good for normal people to hear that too. That war is good for the state. War is good for business. All of these psychopaths have been making money off of bloodshed forever. It's well, every, just, go ahead. I'll no, say every ahead. major every major depression slash recession in American history is typically followed by war, and war is what gets us out of that and turns into like a new boom. Although I don't know if that pattern can you know repeat itself too much more often because like the biggest example would have been world war ii where we got to basically pillage germany and take their you know all of their like medical and scientific discoveries and make them our own and then profit off of them but at this point we're going up and we're fighting against people that we can't necessarily 
salvage this like advanced technology and stuff from i think the next front we're headed into now is showing this uh more than just populism but like celebrities becoming leaders of power so it, you got trump right but then you also have Zelensky, who was essentially like the john stewart of um ukraine right and now it's it almost feels like we're opening up this new this new world this new like um sort of like epoch where kanye can become president or you know uh, like Oprah could run for president or, you know, it, it, and it feels fairly new. I mean, Ronald Reagan, maybe, but he also did some kind of like political um, sort of office, but I yeah, feel he like he was we're the governor closer, of California closer. in the late sixties, but, but he was banking on his popularity from being a Hollywood movie star, but he at least had some of that political know-how, but now you've got people that just jump directly from reality TV and Hollywood right into politics. And I feel like that's going to happen more and more. And that might be part of this new, this new like merger. Well, I mean, as we slip more and more into idiocracy and where I definitely think the rock will definitely be president in the next 50 years. Like I definitely can see Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne, the rock Johnson being president. Yeah, I absolutely. Thomas. And we might, he might get a, I don't know, like a, porn star to come and be well, well and i feel like it's because we're also transitioning like we're definitely gonna get keep... riley reed as the vp <laughs> or something or... <laughs> we're definitely gonna keep um building up our military sort of assets right like maintaining what they would consider like military superiority but i also think we're transitioning from the military industrial complex to the military industrial entertainment complex and now I think it's, like it's it, always been the same, man. I mean, they, well, yeah, I mean, they kind of, I think it's kind of been the same, but what, what's happening is that politicians are starting military, to be, want to become celebrities. Like they yeah, want to there is rub elbows and, and now it's, it's, it's coming the other way around where celebrities are like, Oh, well, politicians want to get so close to us. What's stopping me from becoming a politician? Like I'm already who they want to be. Like it's technically a step down for me to go from my elevated position as like a walking god to this politician who's now responsible. Well, and I mean, has dude, that was a and... giant demotion from being a pop icon legend for Donald Trump. Like the, most of the country loved him. For him to fucking join politics now, now he's fucking hated by more than half. The but country. it was just the in, in my mind that was like an alchemical transfer of energy. So he he exchanged some of his cultural power in exchange for like real political dynasty power. So like nothing was created or destroyed. It was just transferred in that case. I just I I'm terrified of the day that I wake up to the headline that President Mr. Beast has nuked China. <laughs> You know what dude, I mean? Mr. Beast is loved, dude. People he is. Love, he's man. beloved. So watching him turn into a tool for the military industrial complex is going to be heartbreaking, gentlemen. It really is. Dude, I but, mean, but... it's one of those things where you, you see the amount of money that the military has, like, poured into pop culture and things like where, like, like well, conservatives have always been, like, very susceptible to this type of thing, but like Top Gun being like the number one movie, and everybody's so obsessed and love Top Gun, and it, and it's anti woke too. It's right? a great like, fucking movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's a like, great fucking movie. So yeah. Military. I guarantee you, <laughs> there's so much money. There was so much fucking defense money that went into the making of that film. 
like they they just do that, man. And they, they took over the NFL, like where they do those big giant ceremonies where they put the flag across the field and they they have like the jets fly over all of that was straight up military money and and it's all come out now it's like they've been doing that forever and so now what you're saying is that like it's gone so far that like uh that maybe entertainment has like seen that they're opening right and so now these these people that are like revered in entertainment see they're opening to join like the actual because they've been used by the people in power and now they see their chance to become part of power. Like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we have like, I don't know, like Doja Cat or what's that other piece of shit? What's that terrible, uh, like, uh, the, the Puerto Rican girl with the funky eyes, Cardi B. Like, <laughs> we could actually have Cardi B as president or something terrible. Man, I think we kind of deserve what? it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Cardi B probably won't send drones you're right into the she would woods be good she'd be better than mr beast my homestead she probably <laughs> yeah. won't uh I, I i don't i don't know i think you could get cardi b such a fucking joke dude do you remember this i think it was uh the 2020 election before bernie sanders dropped out they had cardi b with like 10 inch fucking nails on a chair trying to read interview questions to 876 year old freaking commie Jew. Like, and it was insane. It was insane. And people were excited about it. Cardi's Cardi- been at the White House, hasn't she? Didn't she, she- talk with Joe Biden and like she's yeah. an actual like whether we want want it or not she's like an actual like <laughs> when she gets on Twitter and starts talking people fucking listen wasn't it Cardi B's to- cousin that got the ball yeah for the balls that got too bad. Yeah, and that's <laughs> why she got called she into like, the I, White I, House I don't know about that vaccine and shit like that because <laughs> like I think my homie. He got that shit in his balls. They got that's like right. His she's from house. like Trinidad or something like yeah. that. And the cousin, or the cousin, was from Trinidad, and she's like Barbadian or something like that. But I mean, she's a fucking yeah, dude. That was this. This is dude. This is the dumbest fucking timeline. It really is. Like it's not the worst, arguably, because you know we're here yeah, and doing this. Worse. Yeah, but, uh, definitely it's also not the funny, best, dude. I fucking love it. I'm enjoying it, dude. <laughs> pop the fucking organic popcorn. Sit on your fucking comfy chair and watch this bullshit. I mean, it's freeing. Carlin had a, a rant about that on I think he was talking he was talking to Tavis Smalley at the time. Uh and, and he was like, Look, man, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't even have that much hope for humanity. So I observe this shit. I observe this shit, and there is just an unlimited river of funny, you know, that just comes a flowing from it yep yeah I, I can't remember this one either it might have been voltaire but it's like uh god is a comedian playing to an audience too afraid to laugh that's one of my favorites <laughs> i'm laughing i am i don't I'm know laughing, dude man. i don't know i did i i talk about this a lot but i really think that over the last four three four years comedy got saved it was going in a really bad direction. 
bunch of people stood up and were like, no, we're going to go ahead and be funny. Well, and they were also like, we're going to move out of L.A. and into Texas. <laughs> well, it, it, some of them. Yeah, there are a the couple of people. And I, I don't know what. I, I still think that like some of the funniest people on the planet the, the arguably still live in L.A. and New York. Yeah, man, I, I think about, like, uh, the people that I still look at as heroes as far as, like, the comedy world, like the Legion of Skanks. Like, uh, Dave Smith was the first person that turned me on to libertarianism, like, listening to the Legion of Skanks. I was just, like, a dirtbag socialist. I was a Bernie bro. And listening to fucking Dave Smith talk about economics and kind of red-pilling me on that, I was like, That's hilarious. Shit. That's funny. Yeah, nah, dude. Most of my profound political takeaways came from stand-up comedian like Bill Hicks and uh, Doug Stanhope is another huge one. Dude, he's got this rant on if you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a day. Um, or no, sorry, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach a man a fish, then he's got to go and get a fishing license. And it goes into like this whole <laughs> fucking thing where like if you teach the guy to fish, now he's like uh, shooting up the IRS because... He like screwed up his taxes and now they're gonna come after him. And he like it broke the last, you know, string on his back. And I just love that uh that's that same kind of concept. He's he's got another one too about marriage being like, yo, girl, this shit we got between us is so strong. We need government regulation up in here. <laughs> Stanhope's good for that. Uh dude, I'll tell you what, man. I <clears throat> if you if you're not familiar with Brett Ernst. He's freaking hilarious. I got to know him when I lived in Vegas. He has a residency there. He's in um, Cobra Kai. Uh, okay. He's uh, uh, Uncle Vinny, I think, or Louie. Vinny, okay. maybe. Um, but at any rate, his stand-up is freaking hysterical. There's another dude in Vegas named Julio Gonzalez that is just an absolute riot. Um, and occasionally on the show, I'll wear his shirt. Um, it's the subway logo and it says subway subway subway. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I do. It's one of my favorite shirts. Um, but I mean, Sam Tripoli, he's still killing it, dude. He's free. Ryan long is hysterical. Like his, if you ever get a chance to go see Ryan long stand up, Go do that, dude. I mean, the dude's pretty funny on podcasts, but like his live show is raw. Dude, the best, I think the best stand up comedy I saw was actually uh, Joey Coco Diaz came to Portland, uh, was in the the Helium Comedy Club there. Uh, Before he even got on stage, he smoked it out and he got too hot. He started smoking in the green room and set off the fire extinguishers. And then, (laughs) like, it was fucking nuts, dude. So like they actually turned out all the lights and went wild. And so when he got on stage, like the <laughs> audience was just like ready, dude. It was like so much anticipation. Like, and he got on there and he was like, "What's up? You're all a bunch of fucking faggots!" <laughs> like he just started going hard. He goes, Portland, fuck all you faggots! <laughs> just like when, dude. It was the best, dude. I fucking love Joey Diaz, dude. Joey's dude, rad. Dude, so good. Joey's rad, uh, dude. <laughs> There was a show in Vegas at the South Point called The Dirty at 1230. And at 12:30 at night on a Friday night, did they had um like local schmuck, random middle, and then 
usually a decent headliner, usually from the mainstream. And, and I didn't know too many of them. But, dude, uh, Roz from Night Court showed up. Marsha Washburn. Mar uh, uh, the bailiff, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, or, no, the bailiff was uh, the bald dude. Yeah. Bull. Yeah, she was oh, the that's sassy. Right. That's, that was bull. She was okay. the sassy black woman. Uh, I don't. I think she was like the. She was in the. I can't remember. She was like the court clerk or something like that. But she was. She was the sassy black woman. And man, she had like a whole bunch of weed jokes, and fucking. She was hysterical. It was really fun watching like a sixty-five-year-old former sitcom fucking chick just. I don't know. Tear the fuck into the audience a little bit. Talk about being fucking old, slow, and high all the time. If we're on a tangent about Vegas uh, stand-up comedians, I got a shout out to one of my favorite of all time. I, th I think he's, I think he's dead. R.I.P. But the amazing Jonathan in Vegas was like my fucking go-to, bro. That was the the most fun I've ever had at any show. I went there a few times, uh, dude. His stand-up, like legendary i don't think anyone's ever topped the, the the performative aspect for me it's it's like the most fun thing to ever see it's the amazing jonathan was absolutely insane i i was bummed i didn't get to go see tom segura when i was there um i'm definitely i i need to go see metzger's stand up um because i've seen like clips any crushes and he does my show like every other week and I haven't seen him live and he's been nice enough to do the show for like almost a year now. So I feel a little like obligated. You know I mean? <laughs> Tim Dillon was just in Portland and uh dude, I just I didn't have $160 to go see him. Fuck it was nuts. No, no giant auditorium, dude. It was a lot of fucking like money. Paul McCartney prices. Yeah. Tim Dillon's oh. great. But uh, <laughs> go fuck yourself, Tim Dillon. It's like Sorry, it was 160 no. bucks, but then like they have like the fees on top of it where it basically doubles. It would have cost me like like 300 bucks. To go just get in the front row and just but where's Ben? Just shout that the whole time. I would love to do that. I would. <laughs> if anybody wants to buy me a ticket to go see Tim Dillon, I will get thrown out for shouting where's Ben. I will. I'll take that bullet for all of you. <laughs> Tim Dillon's probably got like murder security at this point. He probably does. Probably got the same guys that stomped out that dude that jumped Chappelle. You know, Tim Dillon freaking... goes to Bohemian Grove too and just sucks <laughs> off all of the presidential. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, just covers himself in barbecue sauce and says, Come get this piggy. He does. <laughs> you know he does. Sweet. Right? <laughs> oh, guaranteed. <laughs> I just know he's never going to do my show. So I, I feel totally comfortable and, and trashing him. No, I don't. I shoot I don't him know. an email probably, I don't know, every couple months I'll shoot him. And I've never heard anything back. Yeah, I'd love to have Tim Dillon on. He's one of my I've heard. I've brothers. heard back from his people, but they, uh, they said it was $3,000 for uh, like a 30-second ad or clip or something because i was trying to figure out how to get like my paranoid american comics advertising his show and that was before he started to blow up big and i think now it's like yeah. six grand for like a 30 second spot 
Yeah. That's real money, man. That's real money. I will gladly send 50 bucks to no agenda. Yep. Yep. Ask for a humble shout out after I blow smoke up those guys' ass for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I haven't done that yet, but as far as like my marketing plan, it's about 50 bucks uh, every five years. Yeah. Sounds pretty <laughs> solid. It's it's at least sustainable. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. My goodness. <laughs> my kid. No, not my kid. I always do the show uh, outside occasionally. I don't know if you can hear the freaking music camp that's across the creek, but occasionally there's voice on a distant microphone or the you know random instrument, something like that. Usually yeah. the only vehicles that go by are like giant ass rattle trap diesels. But uh, Bohemian Grove just happened, or is just about to happen? It's Honestly, somewhere. I couldn't tell you. I, I I have couldn't I have no idea. I wonder if they're noisy. I wonder if like all the neighbors can hear them. Um, so there's okay. It's tucked back in a little bit, but there's in um, what is it? I think it's Shade, the motion picture, Burmese's film. Um, there's like, there's some scenes from outside the grove and there's that little bridge where it's like no entry and blah, 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 blah. Like that's right in town. And there's a neighborhood that goes all the way along the river there for a little while. So I, you know, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You probably hear him. How know. sophisticated do you think their security is at this point? Uh, you would imagine that they've got, you know, a decent amount of trail cams that they've got all kinds of like flur shit, maybe a couple of drones. Um, yeah, he's got to have drones. When especially after they got their party crashed by AJ and Ron Ronson, right? Or was his name John John Ronson or Ron Johnson? That was all. I mean, that was all with permission, though. You hear this the film crew talking about how they had permission to be there. See, that's what I've always been curious about. I was like, like the I, whole like sneaking my, around thing was a a, a bit or the way that I understand it. Well, Ron Ron is that his name? Ron Johnson. He's the one that actually was there with the cameras, and Alex Jones kind of played the host tour guide and the way that he describes it is they did legitimately sneak in through like the water and they like waded through and they got through some like secret spot but once they got in there like no one was suspicious of them i guess which is a little bit weird because you know they've got this camera they're recording everything uh they've got like a, a decent little like front side seats to it but I think regardless if they were allowed in there, because even before the Alex Jones, there was a Time magazine article that had pictures of the cremation of care and they kind of like exposed the whole thing. But I think it's just wild that there's an admitted group of these kingmakers um, that truly it's like if you wanted to run for president, even in the the series i think it was showtime the house of cards where kevin spacey got like canceled halfway through they even have in the last season that he was in 
that two guys are running for president. One guy goes and campaigns around the country and he does like the, the book tour and he goes on the TV shows and stuff. But Kevin Spacey, he just goes to Bohemian Grove and he only talks to like five or six of the camps and him doing that is what secures him the presidential nomination. And it just showed that like that the Bohemian Grove in that capacity, they're the kingmakers. They're the real almost like um uh electoral college in a way like it's their votes that matter way more than the national vote matters and i think that even if it's not like a one-for-one -one version of that bohemian grove very real way of like representing you know everyone at bohemian grove their vote counts for like a hundred thousand of your votes yeah yeah the the historically tracks and then there's that um what was it it was stanford or princeton study that came out several years back that was like it doesn't matter what public opinion one way or another is if you know this small group of people don't want policy to go one direction or another or the other it won't uh, effectively saying like it did your vote it doesn't matter at all you I mean, got jimmy yeah they carter. like basically proved that we're in an oligarchy yeah well jimmy carter said so like a decade ago <laughs> he was on the inside of it like you'd have a, be a pretty good benchmark for what that might look like uh, and i mean he was you know pretty open about it and that was when he was like look if you don't have voter id laws you're kind of screwed that was yeah, Jimmy Carter. They'd kill I mean, him for it, that now. There's that. But, I mean, there's also something to, like, I, I'm retarded. I don't understand the first thing exactly about the Electoral College, but their vote counts and yours doesn't. So, yeah. theoretically, like, you can vote all you want, and these guys are what? supposed to, like, represent you. This is like a representational democracy or, like, a representational republic or whatever the hell it is. And they're supposed to vote the way that you want them to vote, but they can do whatever the fuck they want. Well, yeah. my my favorite analogy here, I think this is a Thomas Sowell uh, analogy, but he says that imagine you're out on sea on a cruise ship and the captain dies, right? And now you have to figure out who's going to be the next captain that's going to bring you all safely ashore. So the two ways you could do it is you could just have everyone on the entire cruise ship, including all the tourists and all the drunks and everybody, all vote for who's going to be the next captain. And if you do that, they're going to vote the party guy, the guy that just won like the, the Mamba line or whatever the night before. But if you were to just say, let's only ask the crew, let's only ask the people that understand sailing. Now, all of a sudden, there's your electoral college and they're going to hopefully pick the one that they recognized to be the most skilled at being a captain and they're not going to care about what all of like the peon you know but tourists really, would these say. are a bunch of fucking psycho and perverts that like are gonna vote whoever was the best piss piggy at the fucking right. i mean you're not wrong yeah, you're not wrong it's just that the, the, the two groups are voting and, on a different yeah. set of criteria but it's like the, can you the... sing the star spangled ban banner <laughs> while you're gargling my piss and things like this they're gonna I've been practicing for that my whole yeah. life. That was the deciding factor for George W. Bush over fucking Al Gore. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, George um, George Senior, I think it was, his name in in Skull and Bones was Magog, and I believe that Magog was the Skull and Bones name given to the most sexually active 
member in that class. So uh, George Senior was a horn dog, apparently. Yeah, he he was he he was out there just slaying, just crushing it. Apparently, one hundred percent. The the uh, and apparently his dad. Prescott Bush, his skull and bones name was Gog, mm-hmm. which was you know, effectively like a similar title, a similar affectation. Uh, as, yeah, dude. Hey, look, man. If you're if you're born if you're born to swing that hammer, what else are you gonna do? Well. Everything's gonna look like a monster dong. Who knows? <laughs> right, right, right. Weapon of mass destruction, right there in his pants. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! You probably don't get to be the director of the CIA if you can't at least pretend to have a big dick. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. Seems like a, a job you would kind of have to big dick your way into. Or take a big dick. Right, or that, or that. <laughs> That's true. How does the FBI yeah. work then? Is that is that the, the J. Edgar Hoover would take be taking it? I think I think I that think you have to you and you have to have the right wardrobe. You've got to make sure that you're dressed in your heels, match your bag. <laughs> Well, that was uh, what was that? Uh, Roosevelt uh, walk softly and carry a big stick and carry a big hog. <laughs> yep, yep. Dude, that guy showed up. I that guy showed up in buckskin and tassels to go fucking hang out in the freaking Wyoming and Montana, South Dakota. <laughs> they were like, "What is this freaking pretty boy doing?" Back to the dude ranches, dude. (laughs) I had a friend. Well, you were talking about that. When I lived up by Mount Hood, my roommate was, uh, for a couple of months out of the year, went out to a ranch outside of the Tetons. It was a private chef, and she had an NDA. She was just like, it's wild, and they pay me a lot of money. talk about that shit. Yeah, they'll kill you. Yeah, it's fascinating, dude. I mean, you think about, like, uh, Hillary Clinton's personal chef at, ended up drowning in a fucking puddle how did that happen like what did he see you know uh he just made a meal that was too good what was there was like a scene in in like uh reservoir dogs where he's like i want to go and kill the chef this this meal was so good i need to kill the chef so nobody else can ever taste this amount of perfection again so maybe hillary clinton gets served like the perfect amuse-bouche of adrenochrome and she's just like kill the fucking chef dude perfectly right. roasted child right. this yeah, skin is just so crispy that ba- that delicate baby fat just crisps up <laughs> this, so good the caramelization the hairless crispy was skin it's just like a potato chip, you know? yeah 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 gonna have that is some that's just some mad emperor shit right there it really is that's that's the king got syphilis and it went to his brain bring me the head of the chef this was the best meal i've ever had no one deserves to ever eat exactly that's exactly yeah yeah. (laughs) i i demand he i demand his expiration (laughs) 
That's the Wild. real power move, in my opinion. Like you go right? somewhere, that is... you you get the best service, and instead of getting a tip, you're like, we're gonna have to kill you, but it's gonna be like an honor killing. Yeah, yeah. We even we brought in a, a small Japanese fellow to go <laughs> ahead and <just laughs> cut you up. We're we're actually gonna bury you alive just out of respect. Yeah, yeah. And when the buzzards start a pecking, we'll just <laughs> for you. Everybody, it'll be like a 21 gun salute. We'll get some other chefs around. Yeah. It's a Promethean send off. Just let the eagle rip the liver out. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. That would be. How dare you bring fire down to these mortals? (laughs) You know, I do want a a Viking funeral, though. I I want to be put in a boat. I want the boat to be set on fire, even if it's, you know, relatively ceremonially. And you know, and I think it was <clears throat> body of across... water you want to be sent out on. <laughs> uh you know, the there's a couple, but I do uh have an affinity towards Lake Shasta uh, in that regard. I was gonna say Trinity Lake for me, man. Trinity's beautiful too. It is, it is. Either one of those would be fine for me. I love uh just because I spent a lot of time up there, worked my ass off up there. Lake Oroville's fun as fuck too. Wouldn't mind that. Maybe. Yeah, I think about what to do with uh you know, I don't know. It, you can fucking I guess turn me into ashes. I kind of just want to get thrown under a redwood tree. Kind of, you know get absorbed by the tree and kind of just keep going. You can apparently get uh, turn, buried with like mycelia and, and basically become like part of the mushroom colony. That's pretty badass. It's pretty badass. I had a buddy that uh, years back, his whole company was like uh, turning people's ashes into like the coral reef where he would like add you into the coral reef and make you part of it. and You just keep the, I don't know how it works exactly, but like you get to be part of the ocean and part of the coral reef that keeps going on. And it was a that sounds business. like a scam. <laughs> you know, it might have been, but he was cashing in, dude. He had I a big bet. ass house and a nice car. And <laughs> I bet I'm going to try that shit. Hey. I swear to God, we're going to turn you into coral. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm for it. I want to be toothpaste. Dude, how about all these like folks that are, have been like donating their bodies to science, and some that haven't? They've been like just like like the families have like sent their bodies into like uh, cremation, and like dude, this is going like nuts. Like even like in Harvard, they're having these issues where like these like professors and stuff have been like taking bodies and like cadavers and selling them and making tons of fucking money. And there was like a whole list of like what different parts of you. Are worth more than others i think like a testicle was pretty fucking up there with how much money you could i was like fuck i only need one right like <laughs> i'll give them to you jesus that's hectic yeah but no and then you hear those stories about how like they'll uh they think that they're donating grandma to like a medical school or something like that and the next thing you know they're getting blown up by the military as part of (laughs) some live fire exercise or some shit dude or they're getting like sold on like an oddities facebook page (laughs) there's all these fucking dorks and dweebs that are like into like some dark shit and they're like i want some dude's fingers (laughs) they're like spending like 
that's another one of my absolute favorite Bill Hicks routines where he's basically saying that they should have an option where you can like opt to send grandma to be like a movie extra. And the, the punchline is something like, you know, do you want grandma to die alone and sad and just like, you know, completely isolated in this cold, dark, damp room? Or do you want grandma to meet Chuck Norris? And like the, the concept is like, you know, grandma gets choked out and dies from Chuck Norris. But now her memory is like preserved forever and bound on tape. And she didn't just like, you know, die in a sad room alone. You know what the saddest thing about it was, is that like the families aren't getting any of the money. Like, I, I almost wonder if it could be possible, especially with like Canada, the way they're fucking euthanizing half the fucking population at this point. It's like, can I make an agreement with some of these Facebook Odyssey, like marketplace people that like you can have every fucking like have an actual like professional human taxidermist like and he can take his cut and take 10 percent and then you can have all the different parts of me sell me and that money goes back to my family. Can I do that? Like, like, cause these, like these dudes that were like taking their body parts, there was like a ton of dudes that were like working in mortuaries, like taking the bodies and making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why were they like, don't worry, I'm cremating it. And then they were like sending them like cement and bags and putting them in a pretty like, here's your grandma, bitch. And then just cashing in. Free money, man. Dude, it was a profit margin is insane. Like, I'm not mad at it. I was like, fuck. (laughs) You guys gotta eat, right? Yeah, he he takes your few grand to burn the body and then he fucking sells it and makes it more. Yeah, so to me, the only sad part is like the family didn't get a fucking like hands in on this. Like, I'll fucking sell my body. To, you guys will do whatever you want with me when I'm dead and then send the money back to my family. I mean, that's fair. There, for yeah. a little while, I don't know if it still exists, but for a little while, there was this thing called the Tattoo Museum. And they would, yeah. you, you know, you could like basically sell your skin to them. And they would take your tattoo and preserve it. And they had old cool sailor tattoos and yeah. <clears throat> and prison tattoos. And yeah. 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 A bunch of the Yakuza stuff. And yeah, dude, it was all wild, all wild. I had a friend who was like, yeah, I kind of want to do that, but I also would like to, uh, to make myself into a lamp or three. <laughs> like you know let my kids have that and i'm like dude you're no you're i'm not sure if that's my serial killers in training yeah yeah no that's dad's <laughs> leg yeah 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 i yeah i don't know that's creepy i wouldn't want that but <laughs> i dude i i joined a lot of these oddity uh like marketplaces like years back and dude the shit they sell on there is fucked up there's there's a fun shop folks, dude there's a fun shop in Denver called the learned lemur and they do a bunch of weird oddity stuff. There's like a tattoo shop upstairs and they got this like weird steampunk art thing going on too. I got, it was uh, like a welcome sign, but it said fuck off. And it was a Turkey foot that was done up into a middle finger and then lacquered. Oh, it's fantastic. Dude, yeah, there's some really cool, like, taxidermy kind of little spots up here in Portland. Some weird little oddity marketplaces. There is some cool shit to it, but some of it is fucking morbid. I'm like, oh, some it's stuff, for I'm goons. Like, what the fuck, dude. Like, why do I need, like, a crippled person's, like, mummified toe and shit they're selling? I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. 
You want a complete set, don't you? Yeah, yeah. The, this this is just a front for the FBI to look out for serial killers, and I know it. Yeah, I probably, I man. Yeah, they're making their cut too. Well, I'm you say look out for, for the I Ted say Kaczynski train. buttons. That's yeah, like the yeah, training a, ground. You're fucking training them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, it's their little MK Ultra freaking workshop. Yeah, this is that. Thomas's bread and butter, dude. This is a, <laughs> the resident expert on MK Ultra and Adrenochrome. Uh, Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Dude, I just had I just had Kathy O'Brien on talking about Ultra. Oh wow. That was a fantastic conversation. I'm gonna have to have her back through. She's incredible. I reached out to her and I did not get I didn't hear anything back. I should probably try to reach out to her again. Definitely that's that's really interesting to talk to. Also, man, I heard uh, uh, Fritz Springmeyer's making rounds, doing interviews here and there too. That would be a really? great name to get on. Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. He did a, a interview with uh, one of my friends, Donut, recently, and I also saw him. I don't know if you guys know Killer Priest. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. Killer Priest has got a podcast where he talks conspiracy theories constantly, and he had <laughs> Fritz Springmeyer on recently. Okay. Okay, I've had R.A. the Rugged Man on. I should be like, yo, dude, put me in touch with Killer Priest. Absolutely, man. It's been a few years. I can give it a shot. Hell yeah. Fucking A, dude. Steve, this has been fun, man. It's getting late. I gotta, I, we haven't even made dinner here, so we're going to have a late dinner here. Uh, oh, and Thomas, it's like fucking three hours ahead where you're at. We got to get up in the morning. Yeah, we I'm going to pound a granola bar and go to sleep. In the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Steve, this was a blast, dude. We're going to have to have you back on. This was great. Heck yeah, um, man. I love fun. Uh, tell our audience one more time the best places to find you, best ways Heck. to support you as well. Heck yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I had an absolute blast. And if you you ever find yourselves with like a day off, morning off or something like that, come through the show by all means. Um, amwakeupshow.com. Uh, AM Wake Up Show on Rockfin Rumble, uh, Slow News Day, same. All of the socials are either AM Wake Up or Slow News Day Show. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Thomas, what are you pushing tonight, buddy? Uh, well, man, since uh, Steve is here, we're talking about MK Ultra. If you haven't seen or heard of this before, this is my paranoid pamphlet on MK Ultra. It's a chick track style, but it breaks down the entire history of MK Ultra from Bluebird, Artichoke, Derby Hat, everything. And we just drop the follow up uh, to, to this little track series. This is the Homunculus Owner's Manual, which describes how to create a homunculus, the magical powers they can give you. And we even break down a concept of what might be the Epstinian homunculus, which is a, a sort of a modern interpretation of the Crowleyan homunculus through the Moonchild ritual, and that Jeffrey Epstein might have been trying to reenact the Moonchild ritual on Zorro Ranch uh, through having, you know, impregnating like 20 women at a time in astrological favorable positions. So. If any of that sounds interesting to you, Epstein and homunculus and alchemy and magic and MK Ultra, uh, check me out at paranoidamerican.com. Hell yeah, dude. Gents, this was fun. Again, uh, we're going to have to have you back on, dude. This was a blast. Okay. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Cheers. See you guys.